if life is the treasure here, then everything we do ought to be about protecting, caring for, serving, encouraging life. Welcome to the Regenerative Warrior Podcast, Doctor's Edition. One of the fastest growing regenerative medicine and anti-aging podcasts in the world. Each and every Tuesday and Thursday, I talk to the top experts to show doctors how to market, manage, and magnify their practice to help more people and make more money. Each episode is short and to the point without wasting your time with pointless conversation. Learn the skills to be successful without traveling to seminars or paying for expensive consulting fees. Are you ready? Because I am. I'm Dr. Ross Carter, and it's time to start the Regenerative Warrior Podcast now. Two things before we get started. The views expressed by our guests are not necessarily those of Dr. Carter or this podcast. One of our podcast partners has just announced special pricing for our listeners. Wharton's Jelly Allograph for $475 per cc. You heard that right, only $475. White papers are available. This is for a limited time, so act now. Why pay double or triple the price from other providers? To learn more or to order, text your name and the word JELLY, J-E-L-L-Y, to 561-962-1231. Write that down. It's 561-962-1231. On with the show. Hi, welcome to the Regenerative Warrior Podcast. My guest today is Udo Erasmus. Poisoned by pesticides in the 1980s, Udo Erasmus used his university education in biological sciences, biochemistry, genetics, and physiology to cure himself naturally. He invented a way to make oils with health in mind, wrote Fats That Heal, Fats That Kill, and fathered flaxseed oil. He's the designer of Udo's Choice Blends, which you can find in Whole Foods, and worked with other different blends of enzymes, probiotics, greens, to optimize human and animal digestion. He's also given over 5,000 talks and 3,000 media interviews in over 30 countries. I want to welcome Udo Erasmus. Mr. Udo, tell me a little bit more about you. Why are you doing what you're doing? Let's start with that. I'd love to hear about that. So it comes out of a long story. I was born during the Second World War, and we were refugees when I was two years old, fleeing from Poland to Germany with the communists chasing us in tanks and trucks and the allies shooting at us from planes on the roads that we were traveling. And it was pretty chaotic. I don't remember much except the fear and the anxiety and the confusion. And I remember being hungry and, you know, just like kid stuff because I was only two, right? But that's kept with me like that anxiety anxiety until I was about 45. Whenever there was tension in a room, I would start shaking. Wow. And it took me a lot of settling down to settle through that and get into the quieter parts of my own being. So when I was six years old, we were living in Germany and I heard adults argue about really trivial stuff and really get into it. Like, Whoa! you know, it's like yelling at each other. And it occurred to me, there has to be a way that human beings can live in harmony. And I'm going to find out how. And that's basically been the driver all through my life. I got in because things were chaotic. I got into science to find out how things work. And then I got into biosciences because I wanted to know how creatures work. And then I got into psychology because I wanted to know how thinking works. 
because it all has to do with harmony, right? Because you have to know what you're dealing with if you want to figure out how to be harmonious about it. And then finally, I got into self-knowledge because what I really needed to know is how I work. And that's my background. So I've been very studious for the first 26 years. I spent eight years at university moving around from different disciplines, studied lots of other stuff too. And then I left university and then I did every blue collar job I could get my hands on because I wanted to feel what it felt like to be in that job. So I did logging and mining and farming and all kinds of stuff, you know, so they were physical jobs. And then I got married and we had three kids. And then after six years, my wife found somebody else and I was very upset. And so I took a job as a pesticide sprayer because you got to kill stuff, right? Because I was really upset, right? So after three years of spraying pesticides, I got poisoned. I got poisoned by the pesticides I sprayed. What was the poison? Uh, what, what kind of poison was it, actually? I sprayed everything. Weed killers on lawns, and I sprayed insecticides on trees and fungicides on different things and stuff that killed everything around uh, oil tanks in a place, you know, where the big oil tanks are. You know, so I sprayed everything. I mean, really, there was like probably 20 different pesticides over the course of it. So when I got poisoned and I went to the doctor and I said, what do you have for pesticide poisoning? And she said, nothing. And that was the day that I realized my health is my responsibility. And then I got focused on health because I said, okay, if you do the opposite of what you got to get sick, then that should help you to get healthy. It's like very simple thinking. And so I started looking in the journals about health and nutrition, disease and nutrition, because the body's made out of food plus water plus air. So that when something goes wrong, I thought maybe looking at how I eat would be the first place I should look because, you know, every year, 98% of the atoms in your body are removed and replaced. So if you raise your standard of eating, then in one year, you should be able to have rebuilt your body 98% to a higher standard. And then in the course of that, I discovered how much damage is done to our cooking oils when they're made. And I actually did the math on it. It's like one tablespoon of a cooking oil that before you fry it, just the cooking oil, the way industry makes it, has a half to 1% of the molecules damaged. So if you have 1% damaged molecules, you end up in that tablespoon with more than a million damaged molecules for every one of your body's 60 trillion cells. Well, what kind of cooking oil are we referring to? Everything that's colorless, odorless, tasteless that you find on supermarket shelves. So the most common oils that we're using still today, you're referring yeah. to that. Yeah, except for extra virgin olive oil. It has not been treated that way. But just about everything else, yeah, you're getting a million damaged molecules. And I learned in genetics when I was studying it that you only need a few molecules to change gene expression. Like for a human cell, maybe 300, 1,000, you're getting a million. And for every cell in the body. So it's like 60 quintillion damaged molecules in a tablespoon of cooking oil. And that's before you heat it up. Yeah, that's before you put it in the frying pan and wreck it because they're damaged by light, by oxygen, and by heat. When I found that out, it was like, we should be making oils with health in mind. And I was just sick enough and desperate enough to say, I'm going to do it. And so I developed a method for making oils with health in mind. Out of that came flaxseed oil. And then I flaxseed oil made me omega-6 deficient. I got dry eyes, skipped heartbeats, arthritis like pain in my finger joints and thin papery skin and fixed it by increasing omega-6s. And then I developed a blend called Udo's oil. That's the story. And I've been working on that for over 30 years. And now in the past five years, I finally got to the project that I started when I was six years old. It took me 69 years to write the book. The book is called The Book on Total Sexy Health. 
Eight Key Parts Designed by Nature, and you get it on Amazon and Kindle. And that's an overview of turning health into a teachable field, turning human nature into a teachable field. And we have to be present in our own nature if we're ever going to feel good enough about ourselves to be able to live in harmony with other people. So go back a little bit. How long did it take for you to recover from the poisoning from the pesticides? Probably three years. And it was before I started working with oils. The oils just have given me more energy. My brain works better. My skin is nicer. I get less problems from it just because omega-3s are too low in most people's diets. And they are even more sensitive than the oils that are damaged that I just told you about. So a lot of more care needs to be taken. But I started, I did sweating, you know, like saunas, and I did fasting and I started taking supplements, and I started eating even cleaner. I ate a lot of fresh, raw, organic vegetables. And the idea is if you stop putting poison in slowly, slowly, your body will get the poisons out. It's not easy. Probably the biggest thing that was helpful was sweating because oil-soluble toxins would come out of your body with the oil part of your sweat. Water-soluble ones end up in the water and taking more oil and sweating, so you're kind of driving them out of the system, is better than running them through your kidney and your livers because those toxins can wreck those organs. So that was, and then the second thing I did is I did an oil enema. Now that's really crazy. You do a water enema, then you do an oil enema because there are crypts on the inside of the anus. That is where the lymphatic system dumps its garbage. And we never usually hear about that with the lymphatic system because we think it picks up toxins from the peripheral parts of the body and then dumps them into the vena cava. And then it go right back into the heart and then get pumped right back out into the body. There has to be an exit mechanism for the lymphatic system. Well, that's on the inside of your anus in crypts and they fill up with the garbage. And every time you have a bowel movement, you take out some of the toxins that are overflow from those crypts. So I said, why don't I wash them out? So I did a water enema, then I did an oil enema, swooshed it out, you know, dumped the oil, and it smelled like all the chemicals I sprayed. It was disgusting. It smelled god-awful. Then I did one a month later, and it was fine. Then I did one five years later, and it was fine. And so I haven't done one since. So, But that was probably the single act that did the most for getting rid of the poisons that I'd been poisoned by. Wow. So you did that and you recovered from that and then you were just like dedicated more on how to use these type of oils to help people's health. Is that accurate? Yeah, I didn't just do it with oils. Oils just happens to be omega-3 deficiency or not enough omega-3s is the single most widespread nutrient deficiency of our time. 99% don't get enough for optimum health, followed by magnesium and vitamin D, which is 80% don't get enough. I was taking on, but I was doing everything else as well. You know, I paid attention. I ate cleaner. I went pretty much totally organic, more plant-based than animal-based because the research now wasn't then, but now is very clear. If you want the longest life and the healthiest life, you do it on a whole food plant-based diet plus vitamin B12. So I did that. And literally, I recovered to better to being healthier than I was before the pesticide poisoning. I had arthritis in my knees when I was 38. Not serious, but whenever I bent my knees and put a little pressure on them, they hurt. Now I'm 76, exactly twice the age. I have no pains in any of my joints. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So I'm in very good shape for an old guy who got poisoned by pesticides. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've, you've uh, regenerated yourself very well. That's great. So yeah. you promote it with the oils that you now common uh, teaching or is, you know, that 
fats and oils are not looked on in a good way in a lot of areas. Yeah, fats are bad. Yeah, basically fats are bad. And, you know, I came in at the height of that fat paranoia and I was saying, no, there are good fats. In fact, the book I wrote on it was called Fats That Heal, Fats That Kill. And the point of that was, look, there are two opposite stories on fats. You have to understand there are fats that are bad for you, but you also have to understand there are fats that are essential for your health. And so if you understand that there are two stories, then it begins to make sense because all you have to do then is bring in the ones that heal, avoid the ones that kill. So you have to make some deliberate choices because the choices don't force themselves on you. When did that book come out? The predecessor of it came out in 1986, and that book came out in 1993. And still they so, talk about fats being bad now. Oh, sure. They're still, we're still talking about it, but slowly it's coming around. In fact, one of the things they would do is they talked about fats being bad, and then they talked about omega-3s being good, but they wouldn't call omega-3s fats because they were trying to fit it into this narrative. But omega-3s are fats. They're oils, but they're fats, fats and oils. So it was crazy. The only person that was totally on my side was Atkins. He was using the wrong fats. And he's not alive anymore. Atkins Diet Guy. Yeah, Atkins Diet Guy. I did four radio shows with him. He was happy. I was the only guy he could put on the show where he didn't have to argue. But he didn't use the good oils. That's why at 76, I'm still alive. And he died at 72. Ah, gotcha. So he was using the fats that kill and the fats that heal at the same time. Yeah. What he really did was he said, oh, high fat, low carb is really important. And I agree with him to some extent. And then when you looked at it, he gave you lots of salads and lots of vegetables and lots of things that didn't have fats on them. So he kind of made his entry point was let's get them all because that's what people want to hear. Oh, don't worry about the fats. So he got entry point. And then, yeah, his diet was different. But he didn't use my oil. I asked him, do you have Udo's oil in your practice? He said, no. I said, why not? He said, we don't have refrigeration because the good oils need to be refrigerated. Like you buy them in the stores, they're in the fridge in the supplement section. And when you home, you keep them in the fridge because they're very sensitive to damage by light, by oxygen, by heat. So you need to treat them with care. And they need to be in glass and they need to be in a box. And Udo's oil is the name of the oil blend that I made when I became omega-6 deficient on flaxseed oil. So are you saying that all the supplements on the shelf that say omega-3s and 6 and 9s and things like that are not good? If they're in capsules, they may be okay. But if they're in capsules, you're not getting enough oil. We recommend people take a tablespoon per 50 pounds of body weight per day. So you're talking about usually two to four tablespoons. That's like 28 to 56 grams. That means of those big capsules, you need to have take 28 to 56. So for travelers, that's for optimum. For travelers, they may be okay. And I also make a distinction between food oil foundation, which is plant-based, food-based, like seed and nuts based, and supplements, because you need a lot of the base and you only need one to three capsules of supplement if you need them at all. 
because if you got the base, most people will make what the supplement contains. Although in the marketplace, there's lots of confusion because, you know, the fish oil people to protect their turf say the body cannot convert plant-based omega-3s into fish-based omega-3s. But it can. It has all the genes. Everybody has all those genes. The conversion is pretty effective. Most of the studies that were done were flawed study because it's a long story, but they're flawed studies. And most people, you can look at India, you know, in India... There are 300 million Brahmins who never ate fish, never ate fish oil, you know, and where would that show up? Well, it would show up in your brain. So you'd be kind of dumb if you didn't have them in your sperm. So you wouldn't reproduce so well and in your eyes. So you wouldn't see so well, but they are on a par with everybody else on the planet for having kids being smart and being able to read and see. So that's a 300 million years people study. And it's like 20,000 years ago, they started eating like that. That's a pretty good study. It's a pretty good indicator that the conversion is doable. And there are herbs that they use that also help the conversion. So you, after getting involved in oils, you started doing other areas of health and nutrition. Is that right? Yeah. The second thing I started doing is digestion because I felt that that was the second most neglected area of nutrition and health. And so I developed probiotics and digestive enzymes and fiber products because those three work outside the body in your digestive tract. The inside of your digestive tract is actually outside your body, right? It's just a hole through the middle. You throw stuff in there and you break it down and your body sucks up what it needs and the rest passes on through. All of that has to happen outside your body because if you injected food into your body, you'd get anaphylactic shock reactions that would kill you. So it has to be all broken down outside the body so you only absorb what cannot cause you problems and what you need for building your body. So I started working with that and again, saw very good results with improving health. And of course, I did that myself as well. I always start with myself. And then I said, what's the next problem? problem or the next problem is greens. You know, this is the green planet. Greens are the number one food that we all should be taking. And everybody knows that, but most people don't do it. So we made powdered greens that you could travel with. And then I made a, a herbal blend, like an herbal extract blend. Uh, that's as far as I've gotten. I've got about 300 products in my head. The most basic ones is about 15 that everybody needs to take. Not all of them need to be supplemented, but that's as far as I've gotten with it. And then the next thing I did, and this came out of me going around and talking. I've done like 5,000 talks and 3,000 media interviews. And, you know, I've been on the road like six to nine months a year for 15 years. I mean, we were on fire. It was so fun. And it was so, oh my God, we get to help so many people. And that was the joy of it. Like people don't know and people want to know and everybody wants to be healthy. We get to play a role in that and we get to help people. And we're in 40 countries. And, and then I started seeing that I would sometimes give people really good information and practical information because I'm good at doing that and they wouldn't do it. And it's like, okay, what's missing here? And I figure out that if you're not inspired, you're not going to make the changes because if you're not inspired, you're in a rut. You know, that's why Tony has people jumping up and down to get out of their rut, to get out of their heads, to get out of their mind track that they've practiced being in for over and over and over. And if you can't get out of that track, you won't change because you're so habitual in what you're doing. And so I realized that as important as the information was, it was equally important to inspire people because when you feel good, you have energy. And when you have energy, you can make changes. And then it's not so hard to build a new habit. And then I started saying, well, what else is there to health? And it's like, okay, well, actually everything affects health. 
So in the past five years, or that question I had when I was six, you know, how can people live in harmony? And I'm going to find out how. I wrote a book called The Book on Total Sexy Health, E-Parts Designed by Nature. And that got published about a year and a half ago on Amazon and Kindle. And that's an overview of everything that affects health. Because if you want to be really healthy, you have to give everything its due. The fact that Donald Trump affects your health in a good way or a bad way, depending on whether you agree with him or disagree with him. But the politics affects our health. The environment, what we've done to it and the way we treat it affects our health. What we're thinking affects our health. The people we hang around with affects our health. You know, when we were kids, when we get really mad at somebody, we used to yell at, you make me sick. Obviously, even as kids, we knew that the people you hang out with affect your health. And then how you feel in your heart affects your health. And how present you are in your own being affects your health. And how present you are to the world you live in affects your health. And how easily you can get out of your head and just be fully present everywhere but in your head affects your health. And then how you are about being a person whose body will one day die in an infinite universe and being living, accepting of that and being okay with it. That affects your health too. A lot of things. So yeah, so everything affects your health. So now this is an overview of all of the things that affect health in a way and then with some practical suggestions about how to get in line with the different parts of nature and human nature. And that's what I'm going to spend the next 30 years doing. The products are part of that, but they're all just the physical part. What would you say would be the top three things that someone can do to drastically improve their health or the simplest <clears throat> things to do that could make the biggest impact? What would you say the three things would be? I would say the first one is that we have to reconnect to the core of our own being. Now, when we were in the Buddha tank, when we were in the womb, I call it the Buddha tank, right? Because there was nothing to do. So you were just hanging around and you're just growing and everything was taken care of. So there was nothing for you to do. There was nowhere to go. There was nothing to look at much. So at that point, our awareness was at rest in its source, in the core of our being in life. That's the Buddha state. When somebody does meditation or contemplation or even prayer, certain kinds of prayer, what they're trying to do is get to the center of their being. That's where God lives. That's where everything started from. That's where awareness lives. That's where the witness of everything else lives. That's where the foundation is of everything in your being, but also everything in the universe. On the foundation that is inside of us, that is also everywhere else, that is also peace. And I'm now I'm talking experiential peace, not peace as a bargaining, you know, as a negotiation or peace when the shooting stops, because that's a ceasefire. But a real peace that is the foundation of everything. When we come into the world, our awareness goes out into the world because we have to now get to know the world and we got to do things to survive. And in that process, we get disconnected from that core and get connected to the world. And an ache starts with that. It's called thirst of the heart, or you call it blues, longing, striving, restlessness, heartache, loneliness, sorrow, sadness, because you feel it in your heart, in your chest. That's not about the things that we attach it to. That's a reminder of our loss of ourselves. And that's the call to come back home. And sitting with yourself, I call it voluntary solitude, just to feel what it feels like to be alive is where you get your rest, is where you get your inspiration, is where everything becomes possible, is where you are in no ruts, no habits. There's no habits in the core of your being. They're all just in circuits in your brain. I would say that 
is the single most important thing because if we don't do that and we don't feel taken care of because we haven't done that, we will continue to destroy everything we do until there's nothing left. And we're doing it to the environment. We're doing it to our relationships. We're doing it to ourselves with drugs and all kinds of other distractions from the ache that is in front of the beauty of magnificence of our being. Sorry for the interruption again. To find out more about this speaker, become a speaker on our show, have Dr. Carter present at your event or podcast, learn more about coaching, consulting, tissue allographs, exosomes, supplements, legal help, or how to create a million-dollar business card and dominate your area, we're here to help you. Just text your name and any question to 561-962-1231. Write that down. That's 561-962-1231. Or go to our website at drrosscarter.com to learn more. Don't forget about our current $475 Warden's Jelly Special. On with the show. And what we're doing socially and what we're doing as countries, you know, all of it is based on enemies and fear and something's not right, you know, and we got to protect ourselves from them. And the best way to protect ourselves from them is kill them before they even lift a weapon. You know, when you say it like that, it's insane. We are insane. The way we live is insane. And we started that 300,000 years ago. We need a new narrative. The new narrative has to be based on being present in our own lives discovering the beauty of that, discovering that we're born with everything we'll ever need. And from there, we can build a world that works for everybody. Because if it doesn't work for everybody, the people it doesn't work for will make sure it doesn't work for anybody or it doesn't work for those that it does work for. So I think that's the first. The second one is life. That's where your energy and your power is. That also requires voluntary solitude. And out of that comes inspiration. And out of that comes everything else. You know, if I don't feel like my life is worth much, I'm not going to take much care of it. And there are people who kill themselves, even when they have everything like Robin Williams and Anthony Bourdain. I mean, they had everything. Unbelievably successful, unbelievably popular. People loved it. They were funny. And some little thing happened and they killed themselves. So there was still something missing. I would say what was missing is they never took the journey back to their core. Because no one who is feeling in a moment of peace, in a moment of feeling completely content, kills themselves, hurts anybody else, does violence on women, steals, (laughs) you know, lies to people. Why would you do that when you feel taken care of and you feel like you have everything? And then when it comes to the physical, really, there are a couple of things. One is your body's made out of food, air and water. So you need to get fresh food, fresh air and fresh water. You have to get that right because life creates your body. Life builds your body using a genetic program that it also created. But there are certain requirements, essential nutrients, building blocks that you have to have to make a body that works. So that's important. So you want to optimize your intake of those building blocks. The other two things that came from medicine, not from nature so much, but from medicine, one is vaccinations. And the reason why I like them is that if you take a dead organism that can infect you, and it, but it can't infect you if it's dead, and you inject that dead organism into the body, the body will build antibodies against it. So when a live organism comes along, you already have the antibodies. And 
they will then kill the infecting organism. Could be virus, could be fungus, could be bacteria, could be yeast, could be whatever, rickettsias and all, all the other kind of things. And there are people who are against it, but the reason why they're against it is because the vaccines are dirty. So a lot of them have thimerosalinum, which is 51% mercury, and mercury poisons people when you inject it. That's not news. So they need to be made with more care, and they probably would have to be frozen or refrigerated in order to maintain their benefits without having to add something toxic to them. Well, that's more work and that's a pain in the butt. And the industry doesn't want a pain in the butt. They want everything convenient, but that convenience hurts the people who are being vaccinated. So that's not okay. If you don't vaccinate the kids, then you have to take responsibility of living in line with nature so well that the child has built up, you know, has the means to deal with smallpox or whatever, polioviruses or whatever it is that vaccination works to prevent. The second thing is what you're talking about, stem cells. Of all the things in medicine that have come out through medical research, I think stem cells have the hugest amount of potential. And simply, as long as they're a person's own stem cells, because there are lots of problems if you try to give stem cells from somebody else to somebody else, because they're not genetically compatible, and then they're not immunologically compatible, and then lots of, lots of problems happen. But the way you're talking about it, you take the body's own stem cells, you take them out of the body, you then duplicate them. And because they tend to decrease in the body as you get older, and the stem cells are a huge part of keeping the body built and getting it rebuilt and in all kinds of tissues. I know all the research hasn't been done. I know it's a new field, but there's no question in my mind that this is, has huge potential. So those are the two things that are not just simply strictly from nature. Of course, in nature, you get the vaccination too. And in nature, you get the stem cells, but they decrease as you get older in part because of bad lifestyle. But in part also because they get older, because when your kids are grown, nature is ready to check you out. <laughs> right? And nature doesn't need you anymore. Yeah. Or just don't have kids and that, that you solve the problem. <laughs> no, yeah, well, then nature doesn't need you at all. <laughs> I guess I'm not needed by nature. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's right. So you have to do something. You have to make yourself indispensable to nature. I love that. So tell me about where you're going in your life now. Where's the next steps for you? Well, you know, it took me 69 years to write the book on total sexy health. I'm going to be talking about education, human name. I want to turn health into a teachable field because, you know, we have a definition for health. There's all kinds of one is vitality. Well, that's nice. But how do you get there? You know, then we have the natural state. Yeah, that's nice. But what's the natural state? We live in cities. You know, how do you get to the natural state living in a city or living in a world full of processed foods? Even the UN defines health as a complete physical, mental, and social well-being, not just the absence of disease. Well, that's nice. But how do you put that in practice? Right. And it's missing a bunch of other things that are also really important to health. But UN is political. So when you're political, then you have things that are OK to say and things that are not OK to say. So there are a lot of restrictions. I don't have those restrictions. So I can actually. So what is health? And literally those eight parts, five of them are part of human nature. Three are part of outside and they are internal awareness. This is human nature. Second is life energy. Third is inspiration or creativity that comes from life energy. Fourth is physical body. Fifth is survival smarts. Sixth is now they're outside the body, social group, nature and planet and solar system. And 
last one, big picture, little person in an infinite universe. Those are the eight parts. They're all different. They all have different functions. They all need different kind of attention on a regular basis. They all go off in a different way and they respond to different kind of interventions. So what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be laying all of that out. I'm going to do a book on peace. I'm going to update the master's. There were some good teachings from the masters. Most of them have turned into religions. That's not what the masters were doing. The masters were teaching human nature so that people could live fully present and have richer lives, internally richer lives. And I'm going to be doing a teachable field of human nature, because if we don't know who we are, then we can be talked into being things that we ought not to be. And if we're not in touch with our power, then we become the servant of other powers, you know, either more arrogant or more pushy people. And somehow, you know, being fully present to meet the world and strong enough to be able to meet the world and deal with it is actually really important if you want to build a world that works for everybody. And then that has huge ramifications for what you do in education. Literally, all the books have to be rewritten taking human nature into account and peace, of course, because I came out of a war. I think peace is a big issue. And I call it my $88 trillion project because that's probably what it'll take. That is about a third of one year's total global budget to do a reboot, create a new narrative, one that we can work from where people live lit up from within feel taken care of, don't steal each other's stuff and can therefore live in harmony. And we make sure that everybody's basic needs are taken care of on a long-term sustainable basis. And then clean up the messes that we've made, like the plastic in the ocean and you know all the stuff that we've done. You know, At some point, we got to clean it up. Nature will clean it up, but it might take thousands of years. We can probably clean it up quicker than that and go off fossil fuels and get onto non-carbon fuels because carbon burns up our breathing air because every atom of carbon you burn takes two atoms of oxygen out of your breathing air and your car burns five to 700 times more oxygen in the time that you drive it somewhere than you burn up breathing. So a huge amount of oxygen and then everything becomes more acidic because the carbon dioxide is acidic. And so that's affecting the oceans and the ecosystems. But the biggest thing is at some point we won't have any oxygen to breathe because that, all that oxygen was made by plants and those plants got buried. That's why the oxygen stayed in the air. That's why we can exist. We're now digging it out and burning it as fast as we can. And literally we're burning up our breathing air. How long will it take? 300 to 12,000 years, according to some estimates. But it's not that long, you know, because it took like four and a half billion years to bring it all in. And we're in the process. We are very destructible when we're discontent. And that's why, again, it goes back to number one, what does it take for you to feel so good about being alive that you're not driven to acquire, acquire, acquire in the hope that you'll feel taken care of when you have enough stuff? Because if you look at all the really rich guys, they're just as discontent as they were when they were broke, sometimes more because now they're worried about people stealing what they have. So contentment is not based on money, you know, and life is the treasure on this planet, you know, and you either work for life or you work for the bank. If you work for life, then you will give up money for life when necessary. And if you're working for the bank, you will sacrifice life for money whenever necessary. And when push comes to shove, you see it very clearly. If life is the treasure here, then everything we do ought to be about protecting, caring for, serving, encouraging life. We're not talking just about human life. We're talking about animals and we're talking about plants and we're talking about everything. 
This is an amazing thing that we were born into. The natural system that we're born into that brings us all of the molecules that we need. And, you know, the plants make things that we can't make and we eat the plants and we get those things and they protect us in the same way that they protect the plants that made them for their own protection. Like almost everything in nature has antiviral, antifungal, antibacterial, anti-inflammatory, and on top of that, anti-cancer, anti-cardio, and anti-diabetes effects. If you eat it fresh, whole, raw, and organic. And it's not poisonous, right? Because they're poisonous plants too. There's a ton of support for health and a good life on our planet. And we're just ditching, you know, and because we don't have respect for ourselves, we don't respect anything else either. So that's kind of where I'm going to spend the next 30 years. I'm 76. I don't have any aches and pains. I can still run like a teenager. Well, slightly slower than a teenager. And it's an exciting time to be alive. And there's going to be massive changes in the way we run human beings interact into the world. I want to be part of that. So I'm sticking around as long as I can because I can't think of a better time to be alive in. And I can't think of a better project to be involved in than that. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Please subscribe to be notified of all new episodes and also like and share this to help us grow. To find out more about this speaker, become a speaker on our show, to have Dr. Carter present at your event or podcast, learn more about coaching, consulting, tissue allographs, exosomes, supplements, legal help, or how to create a million-dollar business card to dominate your local area, we're here to help you. Just text your name and your question to 561-962-1231. Write that down. That's 561-962-1231. Or you can go to our website at drrosscarter.com. That's D-R-R-O-S-S-C-A-R-T-E-R.com to learn more. Until next time, this is Dr. Ross Carter signing off. Signing off.